All right, everybody, how's it going? Doing good? All right. Well, um, today, my wife and I are going to be preaching together. We want to welcome you. Whoop, 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 whoop. Whoop, whoop, yep. I'm too (laughs) far away. Yeah. Yeah. We we used to have a a love seat up here that was better, but right now we're working with what we got. Yeah. Um, But anyway, uh, we want to welcome you to City Chapel. I'm the pastor here, Pastor Harry. This is my wife, Rowena. And um, we started just over a year ago, just celebrated our one-year birthday. And um, God's been just awesome and doing some great things in people's lives. And um, uh, But we decided at the very beginning, uh, when we started, that we wanted to always um, be relative and be practical. And so uh, last week, I was, I was all preachy, and so, uh, which is good, I guess, according to some people. Um, but uh, this week is going to be very practical. So we go preachy, practical. We kind of move around in those, in those rounds. And um, we're going to be talking about relationships. And um, Ro actually was a preacher before we even got married, so yeah. she's, she's qualified in her own right. But yeah, and then I had children, and my brain got eaten by them, and it's all over. <laughs> but, um, but we always bounce sermons off each other anyway. Uh, whenever I'm working on a sermon, I'm always checking with her about it. And, um, and so we wanted to, about once a month, the two of us come together and just talk on relationships. As God teaches us things, um, we are going to try to share those with you all. And it's not that we're perfect, but, um, but, but God's working on us. We're quite close. I'm just saying. I'm not even, I'm not even going to go there. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, God's like brought us together. We met online about uh, 12 years ago, back before it was cool. And, um, you know, like you've got mail, AOL kind of stuff. And um, Emilio, you don't know nothing about that. But, um, you know, it was back back in the day. And uh, we met and talked online for a few years. And then we met in person. Uh, and then we dated for 10 months. And then we got married. We've been married almost nine years i've lost count no it is nine years we're coming up on 2010 yes 2006 so it'll be 10 this year nice we're at nine and a half uh we're moving right along and um anyway god's god has brought the two of us who are very different people he brought us together and god does that frequently and so we want to talk to um married couples today but also uh to everybody um the the subject matter applies to every everyone and um we let you all choose last week so we gave you some options and uh the winner um of of the of the the options is how to fight well you all chose the sermon i think we have a slide there we go you all chose how to fight well um and uh by fight i I do need to redefine that by the way sex was like in close seconds so so good job guys keep just keep trying um (laughs) i think they're too scared to hear us talk about sex yeah this is scary um but anyway when we say fight we just need to define this real quickly um when we say fight we don't mean like physical abuse so we're not talking about knockdown drag out um if if you seriously if you're in a physically abusive relationship you need to you need to come talk to us it is not acceptable physical abuse is never acceptable it doesn't matter what the abuser says it's not because you forgot groceries or or said something that you shouldn't like it's never okay physical abuse so just 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 so you know that's our stance um but we're also not talking about verbal abuse. I think sometimes people think of fighting and they think of like screaming matches. Um, that's that screaming or yelling at somebody is also a, a verbal form of intimidation. That's also abuse. That is not okay either. If you're in screaming matches, come talk to us. Let us let us let us walk with you through that. 
Um, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, we don't think you can do any of those things well. <laughs> those things are always bad. You need to stop those things. But what we can do well is resolve conflict. So when we talk about fighting, we're really talking about conflict. And um, you're going to have conflict if you're married, if you're single. Even if you're on, as, as Cheryl said, even if you're on an island all by yourself, you're going to get in an argument like, you know, with yourself or with the trees or something. I don't know. You're going to figure out some way to have conflict because we're all humans. We're all flawed. We all have we all have we all have different ways of seeing things, different ways of thinking. We have different uh, uh, value systems, and so this produces conflict. It produces conflict in a marriage, produces conflict in a dating relationship, and it produces conflict in a church community. So we've been going for a year, and that's long enough. That's, that's overtime actually for people to start having some conflict even here in the church community like the person you're sitting next to you know and, and not not you know you know you don't have to look at them right now but you can you can talk to them later it produces some conflict and conflict is not bad if we look at it a little differently oftentimes people wait until conflict is, is awful, and that's when they blow up. And so what we want to do is we want to start a culture of conversations. Yeah. We want to start a culture, because I think if you have more conversations, you'll have less conflict. <laughs> if you just talk, if we just talk about things. So we want to start that culture of conversation, and um, we want to help give you some tools, some practical advice, and then some scripture uh, to really help guide us. Because our opinion is, is nice, but really the Word of God is our foundation um, for everything. Do you have anything to say about no, you're good. precursor? No? Okay. Good. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we're going to throw up a scripture up there, Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 8. And we're going to read through that. And um, this is our key scripture for the day. It says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete. Now this is this is their pastor. This is their this is Paul writing to you. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Now that sounds good, right? But how do we do that? Well, verse three tells us. This is how you do it. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 5, have this attitude. Uh, Another translation says, have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we just we just take a moment to, to reverence your word. Your word is life, and it is truth, and it combats all of the lies that we have believed and all the lies that we've been taught and all the examples that we've been given. We we set aside our culture and we take on a, a Bible culture. <laughs> Lord, help us to become Bible people, uh, not necessarily, you know, uh, Southern 
Southern Texan American people, uh, not necessarily not necessarily uh, Bible Belt people, but Lord, help us be Bible people. Um, take us out of our culture that we have come to identify as truth, and give us feed us real truth. Help us to see Jesus in your word, because you you are your word. Jesus is your word, and so he is personified uh, in the word of God. So help us to see him. Help us to, to hear from him today. Uh, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Pray for all the, the Patriot fans out there that you would just comfort them and, and be with them. And we pray for all the Cowboy fans that are suddenly think their team's better because the Patriots lost. Lord, we just pray for humility for them. Because after all, they didn't make it out of the NFC East. So, you know, Lord bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> I was thinking, we, we were talking about that the other day, because I'm not a Patriots fan, although Brady is a Michigan man, so i got to give him props for that. I'm a Detroit Lions fan, right? And Detroit Lions didn't make it into the offseason. So I really can't talk about the Patriots, because at least they made it to the NFC Championship. Anyway, anyway AFC, sorry, my NF, bad. Blah, blah, the NFL blah, blah, has got mixed up. Yeah, so... Um, there's three basic truths that we're going to pull out of this passage we're going to be looking at today to move on from. And we really do have some diehard Patriot fans. So, you know, we're, we're praying with you, Emilio. We're, the Lord is, you know, you still got, what, four rings? Come on, somebody. There you go. Um, anyway, uh, there's three basic truths out of this passage that we're going to be pulling. Um, and uh, it comes from Paul's example. He says, uh, don't be, uh, don't, do, what does he say in verse 3? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind. Um, and so that is loving the truth. Uh, he says, don't have empty conceit or fake conceit, but rather love the truth. Number two, he says, uh, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That is uh, looking, that's lifting others up. Regard or lift them up. And then look at others. Uh, he says, look, you need to look after the needs, not just of yourself, so your personal interests, but look after the interests of others. And so we're going to, those, that's basically our, our outline for today. First off, we want to talk about loving the truth. And the reason why we, why we put humility with the phrase loving the truth is because of that word right there in the passage. If you want to bring that up, the first slide, um, is verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. That word empty conceit actually in the original language um, is one word, and it means fake glory. Uh, it's, it's fake glory. Do nothing from fake glory. Because, because the Holy Spirit, he, he recognizes that you don't have any glory to start off with. <laughs> so you can't really truly have real pride because you have nothing really to be prideful of. You don't, like, all glory belongs to God. All glory comes from God. Humanity, you and I, we don't have glory in and of ourselves. And so whenever we become prideful, whenever we believe that we are always right, whenever we, we have pride, the way the Bible describes that is fake glory. It's like you're grabbing something that, 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 that looks lovely and sparkly, but really it's empty. Really it's fake. You're putting out this show of this, this fake glory. So we want to guard you against that. And the way to guard against that is through, you know, reality. Is <laughs> through reality. So truth has a way of cutting into our fake glory. Truth has a way of, of making us humble, not because we're super spiritual, but simply when you see the truth for what it is, when you see yourself for what it is. And that, that's really what we've been talking about the past month. When we're talking about don't, don't keep calm. We've been talking about get fired up to go after God. We're not just trying to like stir you up emotionally, like, whoa, but we're trying to get you just to be real. Because if we would just be honest about where we are, 
if we would be honest about where our, our home life is, about where our personal life is, if we just, like, I don't even have to, like, try to, you know, get all charismatic and get you fired up, but if you would just take a, a long, hard look at your devotional life and at your walk with God, well, it's getting quiet up in here. Anyway, if you would, like, look at you, you would get fired up. If you would look at you, you would get stirred up. You, something would happen that truth would start tearing away this fake sense of glory, this false sense of anything to be prideful about. And that's where humility comes from. Humility doesn't come from trying to be humble. I'm just trying really, really, really hard. It's so difficult. I'm just so awesome. It's just really, you know, I, I got so many good qualities. It's just so hard. To, that's not humility, right? Putting your head down and trying to tell yourself that you're, that you're not that good. And well, no, I'm really not that great, you know? Like, no, that's not humility. If you just take a long, hard look at yourself, look at your own weaknesses, you will... Be humble. You will have some humility that will come in your life just by accident. <laughs> As you are honest, humility happens by accident. And um, I, think, I think that's the first step to resolving conflict. Yeah. Yeah, yesterday we did um, small group leaders training, and so I did, a, um, I did a teaching on listening skills because listening skills is paramount for conversations and for conflict resolution. And one of the things we talked about was um, you might be a bad listener if you keep crashing in on the other person's story. You know, someone's telling you and you're like, oh, yeah, well, you should totally be doing this, and, you know, you should be doing this, and you should be doing this, which is really just pride at the base because you believe you have the solution that you are now going to enforce upon this person if you gave that person the space to process and to seek the Lord they, them and the Lord would come to a solution you don't have to come crashing in with your solution um, you know be humble with it and let them have their process with the Lord yeah it's good to start out any kind of conflict or any discussion that you're going to have that you know is going to be uh, a conflict or a fight um, which by the way if you don't have any conflicts like you're not doing it right. <laughs> you, you don't know how to do relationships, okay? You need to, like, relearn how to... Because, like, when we first started dating, we were we had a lot of conflict. Um, because we, we, we were older than most people at that stage. And we were like, we're too old to be, like, like putting on some kind of face of, well, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I love sushi. And I love, oh, yeah, you like that, I like that. And, you know, like, we're, like, we're, like, beyond, we can't, we don't have time. Time for that. We need to get to know each other, so we're going to be very real. And so we had some explosive um, differences, explosive. which you you know you've talked about. Um, so we won't rehash that. But you know we had some explosive. <laughs> I don't know that they were explosive. Neither of us are screamers or fighters. They were long, so long, long discussions. And for Tearful. any of you that are new to this, I am more the boy in the relationship, and he is more the girl. And so long conversations. Oh. <laughs> It's part of conflict. You know, you know, it's not a thirty-second thing. Like conflict, like these conversations take time, so requires a little bit of dedication, a little bit of you know, I'm going to be here until we work this out, kind of kind of stuff. And we both did. But what what, what we found is that is that the, the amount of conflict you have is not is not what you should measure. The amount of conflict a relationship has, that's not what you should measure. What you, what you need to measure is the amount of time it takes to resolve that conflict. Yeah. So 
conflict in itself is not painful because it's just we're different. We yeah. see things different. I did something that I shouldn't have done or said something or didn't say something or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so you have conflict, but conflict's not bad. It's just how quickly can you resolve it? So at first it took us, you know, like a, like a week. Seriously. So, so, you know, she would be acting weird and I would say, is something wrong? She'd say, no, oh. nothing's wrong, which is code for yes <laughs> for all you guys. Um, and, and, you know, and, and then it would, I, I, but I would believe the no. And so I would think, oh, okay, well, you know, and so, but then other things would be wrong. And like, uh, it's like, this is so weird. And, and so it took a while. And then when we had to deal with those after like a week of, of stewing and stirring and all this kind of stuff, then I had done like several other things that were wrong. And, and, and all of those things were amplified by the first thing that I did. And, and it really didn't like, and so you have all this stuff you got to wade through. And that's just a week. Like, uh, some, some couples, like they get so busy that they can ignore stuff for like years. And, and, and so, and so then, so then they come to us and it's, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to go back and to fix and to right these wrongs. Um, we, we talked about last year a lot, um, how you can approach a relationship either standing face to face or side to side or back to back. And, and I understand some of you all are face to face and you just, talk to your spouse all the time and you just love lovey dovey you know and you're just dating your spouse and it's and you make single people sick and and it's you know it's like you know i i get it and 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 we and we are like that like most of the time but there was a time in our relationship when when we weren't you start off that way and then you know you like you get busy and often you turn side to side and you got kids and someone's got to change the diaper and um i actually changed diapers by the way and and you know so you know there's there's good points to long conversations so you know you so I, you know you, so, and then someone's got to go to the grocery store someone's got to go to work and all this kind of stuff and you get busy with life and you become life partners um but but it's not far away until you turn your back on each other and you're defending yourself and you're trying to prove your point and you're trying and that's where bad conflict comes from it's from this lack of humility which 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 philippians says that we we have to approach each other uh whether you're married dating or single you need to approach people around you with a sense of humility not a sense of pride and so there are some ways that 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 pride can creep into our conversations um one um as a guy i just had to point this out uh, a little thing called reading between the lines um which some people think is necessary to communication i think is bad for communication um i do think there is a good version of reading between lines that's called picking up on body cues and and nonverbal language but uh, just just to sort of explain i have a scripture here that i like to put up uh from from psalm 23 one of my favorite passages um where uh, he starts off by saying the lord is my shepherd i shall not want all right that's the line and then there is a space there <laughs> and then there is another line he makes me lie down in green pastures and then there's a space and then there's another line he leads me beside so 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 here's what you have you have line and then nothing this is this is going to take a while to sink in you got to let this sink in all right you got you got you got you you got a line all right the lord is my shepherd i shall not want then you have nothing then you have another line that says he makes me lie down in green pastures then you got She's yeah she's 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 got it and then and then you have another line he he restores my soul and then you have 
And then you have another line, and then you have... And another line... If you're a boy, you have nothing between the lines, maybe. If you're a girl, you might have a whole lot going on between the lines. Now, I'm not... I am coming to realize that that's probably not the best thing, ladies, that we have all of this unspoken stuff. Absolutely. It's awful. (laughs) Do not do that. Like, there's nothing between the lines. It's blank space. If you're reading between lines, you're not reading. You're writing between the lines. You're coming up with stuff and putting it in people's mouths. Just stop doing that. I didn't say that. My ponytail does not say that I hate you. It just says that I'm cool and I know Austin, yo. Diggity. Like, that's what it says. Doesn't say that I'm a rebel and I'm going to hell. That's not what it says. It's just I pulled my hair back, okay? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like there are nonverbal cues. There absolutely are. Somebody's rolling their eyes, if they're grunting, the way they're standing, absolutely. But when you look into my eyes, you do not read anything in these circles. There's a retina and there's a there's a there's other things, cornea and things like that, you know, white stuff around. Like that's what's in here, all right? And you can't like like assign people stuff. What that is is that's pride because you don't you you assume you know what people's thinking and the Bible says that only God knows the heart of a man. And so if you think you know what people are thinking without reading the lines, because oftentimes what happens is we, we read between the lines. We don't even bother hearing what's coming out of their mouth. We've already decided that's a negative way of reading between the lines. Yeah. Pick up on verbal cues, abs- uh, nonverbal cues. Absolutely, you know, uh, have discernment. That's a gift of the spirit. Uh, we believe in all that stuff. But, but man, when, 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 it, when it leads you to rush to judgment then that's a bad form of reading between the lines. If it leads you to rush to mercy, that's a good form of reading between the lines. If you're like, man, they didn't say it, but I really feel like they're hurting and I just need to bless them, that's good reading between the lines. But if you're like, they didn't say it, but I know that they hate me, that's bad reading between the lines, okay? This is, that, that disrupts conflict. It, what it does, it shuts down conflict because the other person can't even tell you what's going on in their life because you've already decided, it's pride, it's arrogance, you've already decided you know what's in their heart, and you don't. You don't know what's in their heart. So don't write between the lines, just read. How's that? Sure. Okay, I didn't, I didn't mean to shut you down there. No. Was that, was that jumping over? Is that no, what we already talked about? I, I know you well enough that I could slap you a little and I could start talking again. Just, just don't mess up the, the ponytail. <laughs> All right. Then we lift others up. He says, he's, yeah, let's just, let's just jump right into verse 3 again. Do nothing from selfishness uh, or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another. Regard, that word regard actually means to lift. And it means not just to lift like physically hold them up over you. It means to lift and a place of value on them. Place value on people. And so what he says, the, the way that the opposite of placing value is what he says right here. He says selfishness. Now other translations say selfish ambition. And the reason for that is because the original word in the original language uh, doesn't really mean selfishness like we would think of self. We think of selfishness trying to try, trying to just take everything you know for for ourselves. Like this is mine, and I'll, I'll hold this, and I'll take that. Selfishness is like it's 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 all about me. That's what my American version. But the but in the original language, it actually means to to be a politician. <laughs> So that's also applicable. Uh, No, like it means to politic. It means to run for office. It means electioneering, I think, is the official word, and I don't use that. But it means to be a politician. It means to look for votes. This is one way to shut down healthy conflict when you're always looking for votes. 
when you're always looking because because you won't you won't you won't deal with conflict. You'll deal with people who will give you votes who say, "Yeah, you're right. She's all wrong." Yeah, like you that that person over there, he just doesn't understand. But you're right. You you you'll go around maybe to Iowa, I don't know, other places, and you look for votes. You know what I'm saying? And you'll say stuff that you don't intend to do. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, you will. You will. You will put forth. A, uh, you'll put forth an image because you want people to vote for you. It's not necessarily like this is who you are. This is your fake glory. You'll present your fake glory because you want everybody to vote for you that you're right and that you're, you you kind of got things going on. This is what it means to be selfish. This means to look out for yourself, to only seek validation for yourself and votes for yourself. And what happens is you end up acting differently. Like when you're when you're when, when you're a politician, you know, at one stage in your in, in your politician journey, you're going to vote for this. You're going to believe in that. And then when the and then when the, when the political winds change a little bit, you're going to change along with those. You're going to be watching the polls to see what you should say because that's what dictates to you how you're going to get elected. Well, you know, and obviously not everybody works that way, but almost everybody has to at least keep their keep their thumb to the wind to see what, what direction things are going because they're a politician. They're looking for votes. Don't approach relationships as a politician. Don't approach relationships looking for votes. Don't approach relationships within a church looking for votes, looking for somebody to validate you. Because whenever you do that, you're going to have to change yourself. You're going to have to be unreal. You're going to have to be fake in certain situations. Yeah, and you're also putting a value that you are more important in this situation than the other person. Yeah. So I'm, I know God challenged me early on in our relationship. Um, I, you know, self-pity can be really nice sometimes. Like, it's nice to wallow in self-pity sometimes and be like, oh, my life is hard. And then I watch the Discovery Health Channel and decide that my life is not that hard because other people have it way worse. But, um, but you know, God, God challenged me and he it's said, it's true, these people have hard lives. Um, God challenged me and he said, Rowena, if something's going to happen in your life, if it's not important enough to have a conversation about it with that person, it's not important enough to hold a grudge. You have to decide. You have to place a value on that relationship. And if, it's a, if that relationship is important enough, if that person is important enough, you will go and have a conversation with them. Or don't you dare hold on to that grievance. You let it go if it's not important enough to hold, have a conversation about it. Yeah, and, and, and we see this um, with, with, in, in marriages, but we also see this just in, in, in everybody's life. It's like there are certain places that you will behave well. <laughs> Uh, usually it's associated with money. So where you work, you usually behave best where you work because you get money by doing that. If you, if you treated your boss the way you treat other people, you wouldn't work there very long. If you treated your clients the way... And so when it's, when it's connected to your bank account, you'll usually act very well and, and you'll approach conflict very professionally. And then when it's connected to someone else's heart... You often know, we often don't value that as much, and so we're much more careless with people's hearts, and it just shows our American value system. So, well, of course I wouldn't act that way. Well, I'd lose my job. Well, yeah, you're about to lose a really good relationship. What's more important? Now, other cultures are different. You go to Africa, and they don't really have that issue. Uh, parts of Mexico, you know, I've talked to folks, they don't have as much of an issue like that. But they do value other things. They may value power. They may, value, they, they may be looking for an edge. But everybody has a twisted sense of, of value, and it causes us not to value others, to value things that connect to us. And we decided this long ago, even when we started this church, we said um, 
you know, we love our people and we love our people who serve. Uh, we love folks who get up here at 7.30 in the morning and help us unload that trailer. And, and here in about 15 minutes, they're going to help us tear it down. And I mean, we got some great servants here. But we have always been very emphatic that Sunday morning is not about you. <laughs> if you're serving here, um, I'm probably not going to, like, give you a big hug on the neck when I walk by you. Um, probably not going to high-five you and just, you know, because, and because what happens is churches become <laughs> selfish if, if you're not careful. And so churches and, 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 and greeters and ushers and, and kids workers and everybody, we, we, we come and it's like we don't see each other the whole week. We don't talk and we show up. We're like best buds. and We want to hang out and form little circles. <laughs> well, come on, somebody. Uh, and then a new person comes in. And they see this little circle. They're not a part of the circle. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess. Uh, or, or, or you actually look down on people who, who don't share our value system. And uh, one of the great compliments we had just recently was a couple came to our church for the first time. They were late. They were like 15 minutes late, like most of you. And, um, well, tell the truth, shame the devil. Uh, and, they, and they came in. And we still had somebody out there at the donuts and coffee still was like, hey, why don't you get a little bit of this, get a little bit of that. We're so glad you're here. And they were like, it's like you weren't judging us for being late. And I said, well, yeah, we're not judging you for being late because it's about the people. We're holding you up. You are more important than starting at 10 o'clock. <laughs> you are more important than a process that we have put into place. The people are always more important than processes. And I'm not going to become a church that selfishly just says, well, you know what? They got to do it our way and they got to dress this way. And they gotta... No, they don't. They, they, the people are more important. So feed the people. So love the people, look at the people, lift up people, value people. There's only, there's only two things going to eternity with you. It's you and people. That's it. Everything else, the stage, the process, your money, your bank account, it's all going away. It's not going to last. You got you to see people. You got to love people. And when you love people, people feel that love. People know. People know when you're there for them. Uh, we encourage our people to hang out and 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 chat it up and have a great time after church. <laughs> but when we're here, we're here for people. We're preparing a table for people. We put the stage together for people. We practice songs for people. We work on sermons for people. None of that. Like God doesn't care. God loves me if I just mumble and jumble and just talk to Him all day. Like He, he and I are great. But people need to be fed, and so we get the Word ready for people, and we study for people. And we preach for people and we, we rent this place for people. We do everything that we have done for people because we value people and we want you to share that same value. We don't want you to come and be valued and think, oh, that's because I'm awesome. No, it's because Jesus has put something in our heart that causes us in Philippians to hold people up and value them and say, you are important. Amen. Regardless of your hang up, it might be a... a a worldly hang-up or a, or a religious hang-up. We, we don't care about your hang-up. We, we value you. You're important. Mm -hmm. We value people. Yeah, and the way that that looks in relationship is what me and Harry have practiced over the last nine and a half years and have become much better at it, praise the Lord. Our conversations are much shorter. Um, the other day we were driving. If we were going to act this out completely, I would have to get him to swap places because he was driving and I was passengering. But you'll just have to be driving. I'm on this side when I'm driving. This is America. Okay, I'm in New Zealand. We drive on this side. It's all right. It, it this flips is the my right brain way. every so often. Really? I was sitting on the side of the car. I'm so confused. Anyway, anyway, he was driving. And, um, and, I, and I had been... 
<laughs> we had been really busy. This was last week, so I don't know what day this was this past week. Maybe so while Wednesday. we were preparing the sermon, we said, how about we share an actual example? So that's what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, this was um, Thursday, Thursday night. This, Thursday this night. Thursday. So we're driving along in the car, and this is Friday. what it looks like when you value your relationship more than other stuff. I said to Harry, you know, baby, oh, you're driving. Good I'm job. Driving. Wow, because you drive just like that. <laughs> it's actually this hand, but I'm trying to, like, <laughs> kick it back. Um, I said to him, you know, baby, I am... Oh, stop it. I can't do that when you're doing it. Okay. <laughs> I said to him, you know, baby, I'm, I'm sorry I've been a bit distant this week. Because I had been. I had been just a little bit pulled back because I was PMSing, so I was a little bit sensitive. And sorry about Tell all the, the information, truth, boys. The That's what was going on. So I said to him, you know... I'm PMSing at the moment, so I'm a bit more sensitive. And um, and he had had a little bit of work voice that week. If anybody has been on the tail end of Harry's work voice, you'll know what I mean. It makes you quiver just a little. Um, so he'd had work voice a little bit at home. And so I, I just said to him, you know, baby, I'm sorry that I've been a little bit distant this week. I've had this going on, and, um, you know, you've had work voice going on a little bit this week, and it's just made me... I've been sensitive to that, and it's made me pull back a little bit. And then he said... So thank you for saying that. I'm trying to remember. I don't really remember. But it was something like, something like. You said, I'm sorry. I said, well, I said, yeah, I said, thank you. And yeah, and I said, I'm sorry for using my work voice because uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on with the church and a lot of people needing us and pulling on us. And uh, it's good. It's good to pastor people. But I need to like, I need to like leave it like in the office, you know. And be a husband. And so I'm sorry for trying to get things done in a real rough way. And that was it. Like, that was the conversation. And then I was like, thank you so much. And I'm going to, you know, I know I'm more sensitive this time, and I know it'll probably be fine next week, but we'll both work on this, and it's good. Mm. And then there's nothing between us anymore. You know, like, there's no, it hadn't been a big thing. It had probably gone unnoticed by every other person in our whole life. Yeah. But I knew it was going on, and I knew that there was something little there. So at the same time, we're trying to get it. finances done at the church, so I would come home, and we'd be working on finances. Yeah. And so it was kind of work. I was in work mode, like, 24-7. Yeah. But I need to, like, she's not an employee, so I need no. to. No, no. Are your honey? Yeah. <laughs> I need to. I need to be more gentle with her. I need to treat her better than everybody else. So, you all get the raw end of me. She gets the, the soft end. Um, yeah. And this is this is how we do. This is how we look at others, because it really is uh, looking what Scripture says. Focus on others uh, more than yourself. It doesn't mean that people are better than you. It doesn't mean she's better than me. Uh, I'm better. We're not better. We're just. It just changes your focus. So when you look inward, it's going to cause you to <clears throat> have really rough conflicts because you're you're looking for your own interest. But when you look outward. You're going to be so much softer and sweeter because you see it from their point of view. Yeah. That that my work voice is 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 offensive to her. It it says to her that I don't know that she already does a lot in our home. That she takes care of the kids. That she looks after you know 40 horses on her property and not 40, but anyway. And then you know the FEMA the FEMA stuff because we got flooded and you know trying to like all that and 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 and, and I do I see that stuff in her. But but when I, when I, when I'm like, well, why isn't this done? How about we get this? Um, that's not conducive. That's not helpful. And so, a good phrase to say is, "I'm sorry." That's a it's a great phrase to say. And we we we, we put a, together a list um, for you all, and um, 
Yeah, we are running out of time. We just got a couple of minutes, but I wanted to throw that that list up for you just to check, so you can check it out. Um, these are this is a very practical way for you to approach or deal with some kind of conflict. Um, first, define the problem and stick to the issue. So don't bring up past stuff. Um, secondly, pursue purity of heart. In other words, check your own motive. Why am I talking about this? Is it because I value the relationship or is it because I want to get my point across? Uh, number three, plan a time for the discussion. This is real important. Don't just like while, while you're doing dishes and kids are screaming like don't, 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 don't do that. Uh, plan, plan, plan a good time. By the way, uh, speaking of times, there are seasons of conflict that you need to be aware of. Um, there are seasons of, of greater conflict, and especially if you're married, um, if you're about to have a child or just had a child, that is a major season of conflict. So expect rocky waters. Um, just don't just don't cut down any trees in the winter. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you don't know which ones are dead, or which ones are alive in the winter. And so that's what happens in, in the natural season. That's also in spiritual seasons. You're going to be facing seasons. And if it's, if it's tough, if, if things get tough, don't, 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 don't kill stuff when, when you're stressed. Don't kill stuff when you're angry. Don't, 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 don't do that. Calm down first. Allow this season to pass. And, you know, and that, that's true in a marriage. It's true in dating. That's also true in church. Like, don't just cut bait and run as soon as things get tough. Maybe you're just in a tough season. Allow that season to play out. If you're going to leave the church, leave it in a, in a good season when you know that God's calling you to move on. Uh, don't, don't, don't cut stuff down when everything looks dead because you don't know. Anyway, time, time and season. Uh, plan a time and then affirm the relationship. Let them know that you're committed to this. And uh, this, is, this is why you're talking. Listen, 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 <laughs> forgive, and then propose a solution. That's how we resolve stuff. Now, if you want this list, if you want a link to this list, you can text the word fight down there on the bottom. Text the word fight to that number, 512-960-1617, and you'll get a link. So you can do that on your phone right now, and uh, we will, it'll send you automatically a link to this, to a broader, this list explained more uh, on our website. You can also go to our website. It's at the, it's at the bottom of that. Um, but as we wrap things up, I want to, I want to talk back uh, to Philippians about our example. And this is verse five. Paul says that I want you to have this mind, the mind of Christ. And that's really what we all need. We need to change our minds. Uh, need to change our minds from pride to humility. Need to change our minds from, uh, from, from promoting self to actually valuing others. And then we need to change our minds from uh, uh, wanting to, to hold on to our own arguments and actually listen, listen to other people, actually look at other people. And this is what he says. He says, this mind was in Christ, who also, although he existed in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God a thing to be held on to. It's amazing what we hold on to. What are you holding on to that's keeping you out of community? <laughs> Think about this. Jesus, he, he has all glory. He has real glory. Real glory. You and I have fake glory. He had real glory in heaven, angels worshiping him 24-7, real glory. And the Bible says that he laid aside his glory. He let go of his glory. You can't, you can't hold on to glory and humanity in the same hand. 
glory and humanity can't even exist in the same in the same thing. And so he had to let go of his glory if he was going to embrace humanity. If God was going to come to earth, he was going to have to let go of his real glory, set it aside for a moment, and clothe himself in flesh. And when he put on flesh, he had to let go. And so when the when God of, of the universe, for the first time in all of history, laid aside his glory, he was able to, for the very first time, clothe himself with humanity. But man, the good stuff comes when we let go of our glory. You don't even have real glory, so I don't know what you're holding on to. But he had the real thing. He had the real, and he let go of the real thing in order to embrace. Because when he embraced humanity, when he put put human gloves on, so to speak, when he became man, that's when he got to sit. On a, on a, next to a well, next to a lady who'd been married several times and, and had given up on love, and he could say to her, I can offer you a drink of water that you'll never, ever thirst again. He couldn't do that when he was in his glory. He was, he was, he was higher than the heavens. He was mighty. He was, he, was, he was terrifying. Mountains shook when he came down. But when he let go of his glory, he could come in flesh and sit down next to her and say, would you like a drink of living water? When he let go of his glory, he sat next to Nicodemus and said, you must be born again. The Pharisee, you know, you can be born again. He offered salvation to the Pharisee when he let go of his glory. When he let go of his glory, he was able to walk. One time he was walking through the street and he's, there was a funeral procession and this, the lady, her own son was in the casket and he knew that because he was God and so he walked up to the casket and touched it and said little boy it's time for you to get up you're not done yet you're not dead yet it's not over yet and the the woman got her son back because he let go of his glory Isaiah said that when he let go of his glory that when he clothed himself in flesh that 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 flesh would, 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 would bear our sicknesses and our diseases that on his back, the stripes that would be put on his back would be for our healing. That, that he would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And on, by his stripes we would be healed. All of us who have gone astray, each one turned to his own way. But God laid on his son's humanity the sin of us all. And when he clothed himself in flesh, he was able to touch us and heal us and make us whole. Uh, who, who, who are you supposed to be touching, but you're holding on to your glory so tightly that you can't even reach out to others? Follow the example of Christ. Let go. Let go of your argument. Let go of your need to be right. Let go of your need to prove yourself and be heard and be validated. It's not that important. What's important is people. What's important is humanity all around you. And while you hold on to your fake glory, you are not able to wrap your arms around them. You're not able to love them or even see them. You don't even know they exist. All you can see is your fake glory. And Jesus laid aside real glory, became man, dwelt among us. And it's interesting, before he was about to be crucified, he said he said to his disciples, he said, Now, right now, the Son of Man is about to be glorified. <laughs> Now, wait a minute. He, he let go of his glory. And now he's, I, I would have said the Son of Man's about to be crucified because that's what was really going to happen. But what he, the way he described it was, this isn't crucifixion. This is glorification. The Son of Man is about to get his glory back. Because if he had to lay aside his glory to pick up his humanity, when he laid down his humanity, he was able to pick back up his glory. And so the cross, 
the death, the failure of his humanity, as his humanity breathed its last breath, was the entryway or the portal to real glory. And it's the same for us. If we would just let go of our flesh and ourself and get on a cross, and it doesn't matter who puts the nails there, but if we would allow our pride to die, we would find real glory. Real glory. Some of you are just one cross away from real glory. Some of you just you just you just three nails three nails away from walking into what God has for you. If you would just let that thing die, stop fighting for it, stop defending it, stop trying to back it up with every argument in the book. It's not that important. Let it die. I heard the Pope last year, and I don't agree with everything Pope says, but I agreed with, with what he, he said. He, he was talking about the cross, and he said, in human terms, the cross was a failure. And I think that's right. From a human perspective, Jesus failed at the cross. And his humanity failed at the cross. It couldn't breathe anymore. It died. That's failure. Some of us need to fail a little more often. <laughs> we need to let ourselves lose. Lose the argument keep the friendship <laughs> lose 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 the pride keep the person just lose yeah lose the self pity and and keep the community that God has for you because when you do that, man, it opens up. It, it, it's not crucifixion. It's not death. It's new life. It's, it's glory. It's getting the glory back that God intended. Because what you want is a good thing. You just don't know how to get it. And people give up and quit, not because they want the wrong thing, but because they tried every way they thought to get the right thing, and they thought it couldn't happen. <laughs> because because they, they were willing to do anything but die. <laughs> ready to go through any program, seven steps to anything, but die. And you can skip all the steps, actually, and just say, Lord, I'm just going to die to myself right now. Uh, I'm not important. It's other people that are important. Hmm. And it starts with, with accepting him and accepting the price that he paid for you. And so we're going to close our eyes for just a moment and bow our heads. And, and while we do that, I want to offer to you this, this salvation, this journey with God. If you want to follow him, I, I have to tell you, it will lead to a cross. <laughs> uh, it will lead to a death to yourself, but it will lead to the glory that you're seeking. It will lead to the value that, that you want out of life. It will give you the fulfillment that you're looking for. It's not going to be the way you thought it was going to be, but it will be real. It won't be empty. It won't be fake. And when you get it, it will, it will be as fulfilling as promised. It will be what you're looking for. And if that's what you want, if you want to follow Christ and commit your life to him, I want you to raise your hand right now and just say, that's me. That's for me. I, I, I need him. I need him in my relationships. I need him in, in every area of my life. 